Hey, good people. It's Friday. You know what that means. It's time for the roundtable. And yeah, that's not Reggie Wilson down there. That's Julia Daniels filling in for Reggie Wilson today from CARE 11. I guess we call it an upgrade or a substitution for those that are in the football world right now. We had to sub in our uh, backup quarterback. Reggie Wilson is out. Our backup running back. Oh, we had to get Alexander Madison out of here. Let's bring in another running back. We got Ty Chandler's Julia Daniels. We got Sam Ekstrom. We got Luke Spinman or Luke Inman for those that know him in the real world. I'm Ron Johnson. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota, and this is the Friday Roundtable. Hey, everybody. I know we're excited about so much in sports. We we know uh, the, the, the Titans are in town. There's a game tomorrow, but we got to get locked. I know there's some movies we've talked about. I mean, there's some crazy things going on in movies, but hey, let's get locked in on the show today. What you got for us, Luke? Yeah, Ron, joint practices with the Titans are in the books. We'll dissect the biggest takeaways from TCO coming up next. Twins heading into the weekend. Four and a half game lead over the Guardians. In the final 40 games of the year, who needs to carry the Twins to a division title? I'll have some names for you. I think some people were a little confused by the Timberwolves schedule release. So we'll break down what that trend was and what's going on with that. Confused is a small word. I would just go a lot bigger, perplexed by that schedule release. We're going to talk about that, but also Titans veterans, man, that, that defense. We Everybody has seen the video, I'm pretty sure by now, of Garrett Bradbury getting absolutely dog walked. And then the guy like hit him with a bow and arrow. That was very disrespectful, but we'll talk about that and everything else we thought about this Titans defense and the Vikings offensive line, as well as other pieces of training camp next on the roundtable. Just everybody know this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On to make every moment more. Remember, those, those prop bets, those early bets are out there. You want to go get this wins, losses. The Gophers is one now, seven and a half. Come on now, take the over. Go for seven and a half. Take the over on that. Trust me, they're going to win eight games. The Gophers will eight, win eight games. That's a lock. So go out there and put your money on the Gophers to go over seven and a half wins right now on FanDuel. But let's jump into this show. Luke, jump out there for us. Yeah, Vikings, Titans, Ron, joint practices. Those are in the books. Plenty to dive in here, but let me just start here. I think my biggest takeaway for me is when you take a step back from all the individual stuff, the one-on-ones, you look at the team as a whole, was their ability after a really sluggish start on day one where, you know, the offense looked so lethargic, they couldn't move the ball, and I get it was windy, but still, I mean, no excuses there. To come back in day two and dominate the day like they did, they flipped a switch almost, specifically in the past game uh, that spoke volumes to me and, and why I think that's important is because so often in the regular season the teams that have the most success are the teams that can make the right in-game and even in-season adjustments and I think it's easy to look at the first day of practice as the first half of an actual game you got your butts kicked but then you get a little breather you regroup you make some proper adjustments as far as what you're seeing out there what's working what's not and credit to the coaching staff and the players i think they both made the proper adjustments after day 1 they came out yesterday ron they moved the ball almost at will for most of the day versus a really solid Titans defense, by the way. That's what I love to see. And I think fans should feel really good about getting their first taste now of this team's ability to, okay, rally back after a slow start, change the momentum, though. That was great. Individually, I got to say real quick, the wide receivers, they're starting to blow me out of the water, man. It's just so deep, not just the star power at the top with KJ and JJ, but all the way to the guys like Tristan Jackson, 
Nikhil Harry, Thayer Thomas, who you had on the show, Ron, uh, they all look like they can help this team move the ball. And each brings something kind of different and unique to the table. So considering we didn't even see Addison or Jalen Naylor out there, I think we can definitely say that wideout group might be the deepest group on the team. And it's going to be really tough for coaches to determine which guys to keep once they cut down to 53 here soon. Yeah, let me echo one of those points, Luke, with the wide receivers. Tristan Jackson is playing his way into the roster conversation. I thought his career was in jeopardy when I watched him down on the field, clutching his knee about mm -hmm. three weeks ago. He was having a great start to camp, goes down, and it's it's honestly miraculous that that was only a week or 10-day injury back on the field and looking great coming off of that injury as well. He's made some big catches with Addison out, with Naylor out. He's been running with the twos. Tristan Jackson is in the mix to make this roster, especially with Jalen Naylor now. We're going on almost a month where he's been injured. If that injury lingers, you could definitely see Tristan Jackson on this team, I think. Let me give you one negative as well. I didn't think the interior offensive line held up quite the way we were hoping. We knew this was going to be a big test. Tier Tart, Jeffrey Simmons, the two big names on that Titans defensive line. Um, yes, Cousins wasn't getting officially sacked because they're not tackling, and he was able to get a lot of throws off still. But the pressure on him was pretty relentless, I thought, especially yesterday. So that interior line with Garrett Bradbury, who we've all seen the viral clip now of him getting, you know, pushed over in the one-on-ones, but I thought he was getting pushed around in the 11s as well, which is even more damaging. So worried about that, but I liked uh, a lot of what I saw in the passing game, like Luke said. Julia? I would, I would say uh, defensively, that's what we've been focusing on at CARE a lot this week is Wednesday, I thought they looked uh, not their best. And then we keep hearing Flores and all of the guys talk about this evolving defense and their ability to adjust. And like Luke said, that can be a, a real tool to have in their tool belt, especially in the season. And we saw that, I think, yesterday, totally different. Jordan Hicks, I mean, I would say he looked a lot like a uh, really solid libero in volleyball. He was everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um and the way that they made stops, especially in those two-minute drills at the end of practice, very impressed by that. And that was not something that we saw on Wednesday, for sure. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with this, man. Jeffrey Simmons, 6'4", 300 pounds. He's an absolute beast. So when you see some of the things going on, you have to understand, Like, and I think I said this, Sam, when we first started our show, is uh, you were like, what, what am I looking for? I'm looking for that dog. Like, I'm looking for somebody to be that, in, that, in, that antagonizer, somebody that's going to be uh, somebody that's willing to just go in there and be a bully. Uh, you look at Tart, 6'2", 305 pounds as well. You got 600-plus pounds coming at you as a guard in the center. So, one, I think what I've learned right away from training camp is it might be time to look at a guard to help out the center. Maybe. Possibly. Now, we're not saying that uh, Ingram can't do it. A lot of this stuff happened in one-on-ones. Now, hopefully, hopefully, when we look at the team side of this, because we're going to see a little bit of it. I don't know how much we're going to see in the game, but maybe after the practice, they're like, look, we got to get you guys in the game together because you don't look great one-on-one. -on -one. Christian Derisaw does, though. Uh, O'Neal, we know he's going to be fine. Um, I'd say even Ezra Cleveland, 
I'm talking about those two inside uh, linemen, the guard and the center. So that's that's the one takeaway I have is what is Ed Ingram and what is uh, is uh, Bradbury going to be like? What what are they going to look like when they're together? What are they going to look like when games and bullet, real bullets are flying? And and that was was nerve wracking because when Kirk Cousins has a clean pocket, I think when we did the math, he was like number three in the NFL last year uh, with a clean pocket, which is not a ton of clean pockets in the NFL, but ESPN has all kinds of stuff. But with a clean pocket, Kirk Cousins was like top three. If you don't give him a clean pocket, he drops down to like 12 or 13. And so I think that's the key is like Kirk Cousins, we know, is not like a guy that can move his feet and still make a great throw all the time. Sometimes he can. Uh, we know he's willing to take a hit like in the Buffalo game every once in a while. But that that middle interior line to me, that was it, it's it's I'm questioning that side. Just those two guys. I think the other three are fine. And so maybe that's why Dalton Reisner was talked to. Maybe that's why they continue to try to figure out maybe we do need to bring a guard in. But I think they're going to get through these next. I think Ed Ingram, these next two preseason games, he's going to be playing for his spot. We need to see that. And then Garrett Bradbury. I mean, they might move on from him and draft a center in the next draft if he doesn't have a good season. So but again, th these are two of the biggest, strongest you know, D tackle, nose tackle. I think the Vikings are going to see early on, but of course, we forgot the Buccaneers are scary too. So that week one might be a little painful. So it's time to move on to the next topic. Let's stick with with the defense. Let's stick with training camp as well. Now, if you have a Vikings defensive question, but the Viking, the Titans defense, and I kind of alluded to this already in my original topic, the Vic the the Titans defense were bullies. They were celebrating. They were having fun, which led over to the Vikings kind of getting a little chippy, too, and then their defense starting to make plays, which I think uh, 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 Andrew Booth Jr., the throw the ball after interception, you went way too far. Like, celebrate with them, throw the ball up in the air, but don't throw it at them. Like, that to me, again, there's 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 lines that you can cross and not stay behind. The Titans, if you watch that video after he throws the ball, the Titans – Players are even over there like, oh, that's a flag. Great job, but you're an idiot. Like, that's a flag. And so it's like you do something great, and then you do something stupid. You watch the coaches. They're waving the the, the – like, get back over here. The other players are celebrating with them because they're just, like, excited. But the Titans did it with their body, and they're talking within the game, within the whistle. You don't see them doing a little extra stuff. Um, now, I will say Alexander Madison did drop a shoulder, but you did see the guy kind of want to fight him because he's like, wait a minute, dude. Like, we, we weren't really going full speed here, and you just tried to drop the shoulder on me. Um, so th th I think the Vikings were trying to fight back. They were trying to push back, but the Titans' defense is extremely loud. The question to the group, is the Vikings' defense, is the Vikings' defense going to be tough enough? The Titans' defense, we know they're tough. Is the Vikings' defense with these young guys, these new guys, Ivan Pace probably being a starter week one, are they going to have that same toughness? The question is, I don't know. Byron Murphy is quiet. Uh, there's not a lot of guys out there that are talkers, I guess you'd say, on the defensive line even. Um, where, where is that going to come from? We know before it was Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin was the loud voice. He was the guy. He was the guy. A Linval Joseph, bully, loud voice. You know, you go way back to Kevin Williams and Pat Williams, loud bullies. Who's going to be the guy for the Vikings? Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, everybody's gone now. Harrison Smith's not a talker. I, my answer is I don't know, but I'm going to move on to you, Luke. It's a great question. I think there's a big difference between toughness and then the swag, right? Like the cheering up and down, trash talking, things like that, getting in people's faces. Like we saw the difference between Kirk Cousins on that Netflix documentary and Patrick Mahomes, who's getting in the face of Max Crosby every chance he got. As far as toughness goes, 
I think at the end of the day, Brian Flores is going to find the 11 toughest guys he has and deploy them as much as humanly possible. And he doesn't care about the name on the back of the jersey or the politics. If you're a first-round guy, if you're making $10 million or $2 million, et cetera. We're already seeing that, by the way, with a guy like Ivan Pace, mm-hmm. who's an undrafted free agent. So expect a lot of highs and lows, I think, this year. But the only way to get these young guys better and to get some more confidence is to get them out on the field and let them learn from their mistakes. I think you're going to see as the season progresses – You're going to see this unit gain more confidence with the system, and when that happens, big plays are going to happen. When big plays happen, then you'll see a little bit more swag, some more excitement, some more trash talking going on. But they just need to log some real snaps under their belts, get comfortable with the scheme once the bullets start actually flying to gain that confidence. Then the rest will come over time. To answer your question, Ron, I'm with you. I have no idea who's going to be the the big smack talker out there. Brian Asamoah, I guess, would be my guess. But again, as far as toughness goes, Harrison Smith, you know, guys like that, they maybe don't play with the swag, but they got the toughness for sure that Brian Flores is looking for. Yeah, I think it's going to have to come from the top down, right? It's going to have to be instilled by Brian Flores because you've got, what, about six guys on this starting defensive roster that are full-time starters on this team for the first time. It's hard to come into a new organization and find your voice. It's just human instinct that you're going to fade a little bit into the background. You're going to let other people set the tone. It's hard to be a Zadarius Smith. Zadarius Smith just came in day one. He was a tone setter. That's not the norm. What they need is for Marcus Davenport, actually, to be that guy. They need him to be the Zadarius Smith, who is kind of the guy in the defensive line because they do not have a Tierra Tart. They do not have a Jeffrey Simmons. They don't have a bunch of nasty dudes in the middle. Daniil Hunter is a pretty quiet guy himself. They need someone like Davenport to come in and be vocal on the line of scrimmage. And then I think you look at Jordan Hicks, you look at Brian Asamoah, you look at Ivan Pace even. I think their top three linebackers all have a little nasty to them. Definitely some vocal leadership skills. Pace, man, he has been so tough in these these joint practices. Really impressive to watch. And and Jordan Hicks is, is really a, a, a verbal articulate leader on that defense. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing who emerges. And having someone like Josh Metellus, don't underrate his impact. A fourth-year yeah. guy, energy guy, who's going to be on the field a lot. That's somebody who could actually step up into a big leadership role. I go back to day one or day two when you say Marcus Davenport, and I'm standing by Ron at training camp, and he goes, and he's going to be number zero. He's got to be a dog. And so I, I think you're right in saying that maybe maybe he could be the guy that sets up. I did talk to Josh Metellus yesterday about being vocal and how exciting it is to have another team in-house to build off of that excitement. And he said, it's nice to, to be able to finally go out there and talk a little smack to guys and not have to sit next to them in the locker room after practice. <laughs> so maybe, maybe they're getting those reps in, but yeah, I would reiterate everything that you guys have said. The communication just has to be better and there has to be some kind of momentum to build on before they get on the field. There has to be somebody that's going to get the guys hyped up and you're right in saying Zadarius coming in. I remember week one, he was the spark plug for that defense against green Bay. Somebody has to be that guy, um, and, it, and it's hard. And, and the same thing with what you said, Luke, is we saw it last week with with the defense. The guys just – they're going to make rookie mistakes, mm-hmm. but they, they have to go out there and do that before they're able to fix. That's just – that's how they work. Yeah, I will say uh, you're right. I did say that. I remember that. Um, and it's true. Every guy on every team who's taken zero – you have to be some type of like baller or dog. Like you can't have zero and be an actual zero. Like you got to be zero 
but you're a hero. You know, you got to be able to do that. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know how aggressive you got to be as far as Calvin Ridley. We know it starts at him. He's ground zero for that offense. Like, he's going to be the guy that, like, trying to make plays and trying to get it done. It starts with Marcus Davenport. He's got to be agent zero. He's got to move around like it's mission impossible, and he's just going to go absolutely nuts every single play. Because if not, you're just out there for no reason. Like the Monstars, if you ever watched the Monstars movie, they gave zero to the meanest, biggest guy on that court. It started way back then, and the NFL has picked it up. NBA has kind of done it as well. If you're wearing zero, you're that guy. Russell Westbrook, like you're going to be the guy. Um, I will say this. I, I, I do like – the fact that we are all going to be watching week one because the first these next two weeks you're not going to know but after that we are going to see who is the dog on this team you're going to see who's taking the vocal leadership side of it and honestly i do like josh metellus i think from a special team standpoint i feel like and you guys just tell me what you think i feel like special teams is louder than defense right now like when you watch the drills and the practices special teams and and more, mainly the gunners and some of the blocking stuff they have a little bit more intensity than the defense right now, but maybe you're right, Julia. They don't have a Zadarius, and they're just trying to all – and Sam said it. They're all trying to figure out their way. But we got to pay some bills. When we get back, we are going to talk about these twins because I know who – I have a good one of who needs to – like these last 40 games for the twins, I have a really good one to help the twins win and stay ahead of uh, the Guardians. But we'll do that after this. We're brought to you today by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook, and it's the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. This is the new promotion they have going on right now at FanDuel. It's football-related because it's football season. Whoever you think is going to win the Super Bowl, maybe it's the Vikings, maybe it's the Colts, maybe it's the Packers. Oh, I don't know who would do that, but <laughs> you can wager on any team to win the Super Bowl. Then you sit back and you watch the money come in. How's that going to happen? Well, every time... That team wins a game during the regular season. You get bonus bets deposited into your account. It's as easy as that. So pick a team to win the Super Bowl. So you've got that going for you. And then you get money as the season goes along. And you can put that money on any number of wagers at FanDuel. They've got props. They've got lines. They've got uh, alternate spreads. You can bet in dozens of different ways on football at FanDuel. America's number one sports book. That's the place to be for football season. And the regular season kicks off in three weeks. Uh, get in the action at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's the website. Get started today. FanDuel. Make every moment more. Well, things coming up on the show. We're going to talk about the Timberwolves schedule release. We're also going to talk about the Twins. I want to jump into the Twins first because we got to talk about who is going to be the mo I'll let Sam do it. Sam, what you got? All right, Ron. We got 40 games left. We're in the final quarter of the season. We're going into the fourth quarter. Can the Twins be what the Vikings were last year? Can they be a fourth quarter team? Final month of the season. Well, we've been talking all year on this show about which guys need to step up. And I'm tired of talking about Correa. I'm tired of talking about Buxton. I've moved on. This is what's going to happen. The rookies are going to carry this team forward. Mm. It's going to be the rookies. It's going to be Edward Julien. It's going to be Royce Lewis. It's going to be Matt Walner. I'm all in on this rookie group. They've got three of the top seven OPSs amongst rookies in the league on base plus slugging percentage they can hit for power they've got speed they've got energy Lewis and Julian I don't know about Julian actually but Lewis 
is an asset defensively. Um, they are clutch. Matt Walner, big grand slam last week. These are the new faces that are going to usher in the next generation. And this is where they're going to make their mark in the final 40 games. They are going to carry guys like Correa. I'm all in on the rookies. They're the ones who have to do it. And that's where I'm standing. Julia. Um, I would say these last, well, okay. So let me preface this by letting everyone know this is only my second season with the twins. I really only got half a season. And, um, what I saw in September last year was tragic and I'm hoping, uh, things don't go the same way. I would say Matt Walner, man, you got, you know, you, you question, is it just beginner's luck? What's going on right now? You also worry a little bit about with his hitting right now, a slump coming soon and you're thinking well maybe these next two weeks he can have a slump so by the time we really need him then he's back back where he needs to be but yeah i would reiterate exactly where what you say sam these younger guys are the ones that they have to rely on right now also i think the rotation of the catchers with vasquez and and jeffers i think that's working really well for them rather than just relying on vasquez and also having jeffers dh too has been uh, a a really nice addition to their lineup as yeah, well he's been uh, because he's been hitting hitting so well lately i would also say uh who knows maybe brooks lee will start hitting pretty well in triple hey, and they could call him go. up i don't another know another rookie that's, yeah, that's right that exciting i mean he sees and i i talked to him last week about that and he's he said it's it's really refreshing and, and it gives him a lot of hope to see young guys, number one, get opportunity and number two, take advantage of those opportunities. So, yeah, Sam, I would 100% agree with you. Yeah, you guys nail it. It's almost scary how different this lineup looks the second Rice Lewis showed back up onto the field. I mean, he's already proven such a little small sample size, too, how much of an impact he's got with his bat. Definitely the spark, I think, they've been missing to start stringing together some real actual momentum, not just win two games, lose two games, win three, lose three. Gain some confidence during this last 40 games. He's hitting 331, 1.3 war through 40 games. He's exactly as advertised and is showing off why he was the number one overall pick. So I think Sam's right. I think between him and Edward Julian specifically, who's also been a huge boost, by the way, along with Jeffers, Walner, Kirilov, that's five young bats that can give the Twins a little spark, some fresh legs they've needed, finally take some pressure off the veterans like Correa, Buxton, Kepler at the right time just to close out this season. And I think it's a good balance with a great little mix of young, raw talent along with a few crafty vets for these last 40 games. Uh, here's where I go with this. They got they got to get this figured out, right? But here's who needs to carry the Twins mm-hmm. to, to the promised land the next 40 games. Shane Bieber, Cal Quattrill, Tristan <laughs> McKenzie, Gavin Williams, Tanner Beebe, uh, Logan Allen, Noah Syndergaard, and Xavier Curry. Do you guys know who that is? <laughs> the... Guardians pitching rotation. (laughs) (laughs) That's what needs to carry the twins. Because at this point, the Guardians just need to lose. Like, because if they, this is the thing, Noah Syndergaard, I I was like, I remember, you remember this, Sam, like I kept saying like the twins, I'm glad the twins didn't, because he's not on this year. Like he's two and six. Um, like there's no Gavin Williams is actually in in Tanner. uh, Bibby are actually having the better season. Gavin Williams, uh, you know, hasn't gotten a lot of a lot of throwing in, but um, Bibby, solid season. Bieber, uh, you know, when you're nine and two for Bibby, like I don't want him pitching. 
Like, I don't I don't want them to put him in. Put Noah Syndergaard in because you think he's the star. And let him lose some games. Um, I, I feel like the Cleveland Guardians have to continue to help the Twins stay ahead of it. The good thing is the Twins have a better record than Yankees because that was the big joke at one point. The, the Twins had a worse record than the Yankees, and the Yankees are at the bottom. So now the Twins finally have more wins than the Yankees, 63-60. to 60, So thank goodness we're there. Uh, but, yeah, I, I honestly believe like it's going to come down to some of these other teams. Um, nothing against the Twins. I think they can hold on to a four-and-a-half game lead with 40 left. But I think it's going to come down to how some of these games. And the Tigers play the Guardians. So looking forward to that. The Tigers playing the Guardians, so we'll get to see if the Tigers can knock the Guardians down another peg and just keep helping the Twins build that lead up. But you know what? <laughs> Maybe Jose Ramirez will get in another fight. Yeah, there you go. Maybe. I mean, he, he one-hitter quittered, though. I will say that. he like It was like Floyd Mayweather. He ducked, came up, hit him with a little haymaker. And, then, and, and, and once, you get, like, once you get knocked down like that and you're dazed, don't go on Twitter trying to defend yourself. <laughs> like, let me at them. Let no, 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 no. They let you at them, and you got knocked back. Like, don't, don't try to get tough on Twitter. Like, don't. Hey, do Ron. That. While we're at, while we're on the topic of fights, do you ever get in a training camp scuffle in your day? I did. I have. I have. Yep. DBs. Um. You know, my rookie year. Not much after that. I actually got into fights like in games before. Like, I got into a fight. Uh. uh in the uh, Michigan State game, I got into it, and then we played the Dolphins. I actually got into it with uh, and, and mainly because he's from Detroit, Renardo Hill, who's now the defensive coordinator for the uh, Chargers. Um, he's a friend of mine from high school. And so he was with the, I think, Chargers at the time. And I was with the Ravens. And yeah, we got or Dolphins, maybe. And we got into a little scuffle on the field. Another series, just like a blocking downfield. He tried to grab. So I threw him down. And yeah, we didn't get a flag because back then those weren't flags. Back then, that was just hey, break it up, break it up, guys. Now it's fifty flags. You get a pink letter from the from the commissioner. You've been fined, you know, fifteen hundred bucks for fighting and uh, uh, play detrimental to the team's success. Yeah, no, but yeah, no, I have gotten into a training camp. I got into it with the DB, and then um, later because I was a rookie, the other DBs were like, well, if he's gonna fight him, all y'all need to fight him. So I fought each DB after practice one on one, no fist. We had to wrestle, uh, but one on one, each DB got a chance to try to to make me tap out nobody could do it so then eventually they jumped me and taped me up and threw me in the cold tub um but yeah Jeez. that was oh that my was God. my uh that was my little introduction into getting <laughs> hazed uh yeah because i dog walk one of their dbs kind of hold them and held them on the ground everybody's you know scuffled up and then after practice uh, a couple veteran dbs like oh y'all gonna let him do that y'all let a rookie do that to y'all and yeah they one-on-one each one tried to come up and yeah i took each like they had no shot and then a couple receivers started helping me after they noticed the dbs were trying to get involved and Can then eventually they just they, this story yeah, yeah I, there's gotta be a video somewhere um because like ed reed i don't know if you know what though there's a thing like ed reed you might have to google ed reed tape to a goal post because the problem is a lot of this stuff happened when they wouldn't let the media do pictures and there were no camera phones back then so like people weren't like able to get quick like video of that on their phone so like ed reed got taped to the goal post um after a practice and they put shaving cream all over him because he was holding he held out for the first couple games so we have a lot of stories it's funny somebody just posted a video of ed reed when he he yelled face mask and they ran down and knocked the guy out from the coach because he was pissed off at the previous call um i was a part of that game so yeah so there's a lot of stuff that happened uh that that won't, won't hit the media world like our fights don't hit the media world like ray lewis got into a fight with a center and drug him by his face mask like five yards down the field and nobody really stopped ray because they're like it's ray um so yeah no but that that stuff now would be like viral Back then, there was no video. Like the the media. Now that I know how the media works, they can only do warm ups. Once team starts, they can't 
they can't video us. And the fans didn't have camera phones. So it's, it's totally different back then to now, which I'm kind of glad about, by the way. I wonder who leaked the Garrett Bradbury uh, tier tart rep, because that's like official team video. Is it? To, yeah, that that's like the video they set up on yeah, the field. Yeah, that's up close and personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a Titan. Ti- Titans a Titan D-line sure. coach trying to dunk on Bradbury. Oh. A ti- or a Titans player. A Titans player might have been watching film and they were hit uh, screen record because they get it yeah. on their iPads. Sure. And then sent it to somebody like, yo, look at this. <laughs> or, and you know this, one of the media people have a relationship from the Titans with one of the players or coaches and they pay them. Yeah. Like, hey, man, if you got some good footage, man, send it to me. Let me get that. Like, I, or they saw that, you know, one of the Titans people that are here saw that clip, then told, you know, whoever their person is, yo, let me get that clip from you, man. And then they did it. Cause I can, I can get that too. Cause I know when we do our show, they ask mm-hmm. us, like, is there anything we want from practice or games or plays? And so they, the Vikings have it as well. Um, but yeah, I'm not that dumb. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna try to record stuff they don't tell me to. Uh, we can talk about. So, but yeah, no, yeah, I guarantee it's a Titans person because it's a good rep. It's a good rep. He did a little celebration with it, bow and arrowed him. Yeah, and then he got rep. kicked out of practice like ten minutes oh, later. Oh, he did. He did? He, yeah, he and Bradbury got into it in 11s, and he got kicked out. Oh, yeah. So did Bradbury that's, get the boot as well? No. Bradbury bro, did man. not. But that I can see why they were chippy with one another based on that rep. I mean, that that tells everything. That's the mm-hmm. story right there. Yeah. But also, too, like one-on-one, if you watch Bradbury, the way he was angling, he's angling like a certain type of protection. So he's fan blocking to his left. Uh, which they just mean everybody's going to fan this way like a fan, you know, literally. So if you fan block this way, that means he assumed he has backside help and the the backside of the line is fanning. And the guy just used his momentum and and clubbed him. So technically one-on-one, you don't want to turn like that. You want to like anchor down and stay straight. That was just bad technique on Bradbury's part. That's also why he probably kind of laid there like, dang, I can't believe I turned sideways like that. Like he was fan blocking in one-on-one. You don't fan block in one-on-one. And that's why it's kind of dumb. And, and, the, and the guy, he did a good move. He, he, he hard went right, forcing Bradbury to do what he did. And then he clubbed him. Like, honestly, just know like, hey, look, man, there's only one quarterback in this and just us and him. I don't need to turn my body to chase. Like I just need to run and make him run around the quarterback and just push him by. But yeah, Bradbury just it was just a bad rep. Good rep by the D- defense and bad rep by the offense, and it happens. But yeah, I love the fights. I, I, I just want to say I, I, I tweeted this, and I know people don't like it. I think the aggression in fights are good for training camp because the players have to get out their system. So, well, we got to move on to the last topic. Julia Daniels, you've been all over TikTok scouring <laughs> the net. What's oh, the last topic for the Timberwolves? Last topic is the Timberwolves released their schedule yesterday and people were thoroughly confused as to what was going on. And the caption was four hours of cleanup for four minutes of content. Basically, if you haven't seen the video yet, it's with every what game or something like that. They rolled something down the stairs at Target Center and it, it's supposed to break. This is a big trend on TikTok right now. But it's supposed. I, I feel like they did it wrong because you're supposed to only roll breakable, like glass things down down the stairs. A lot of times it'll be these huge glass jars full of like marbles or orbies or something like that. So they bust. Everything goes everywhere, right? But they had like a progress progresso can that they opened and then rolled down the stairs. And 
I was like, that's so anticlimactic. But people were wondering what was going on. And, and a lot of it is on TikTok and, and, you know, eventually it gets over to Instagram reels. It's a big thing with the kids, kind of a sensory sort of video where they're rolling things down the stairs. It breaks people. And it'll be a huge compilation of the same staircase and different objects to see which one goes further, which one breaks first, that kind of thing. They'll do a lot with different kinds of glass alcohol bottles or just Coke bottles, things like that. So I think people didn't, Reggie was asking me about it yesterday. He's like, this is so stupid. I don't understand. And I was like, it's a thing the kids like because their attention span is so low <laughs> nowadays. So the Timberwolves, I guess, decided to hop on that train and do use that for their schedule release. Oh my goodness. Luke. I uh, have not seen the video, got the breakdown from Julia. I looked at the actual schedule itself, Ron. I looked it up. It's the 16th toughest schedule, smack dab in the middle. So I think that could certainly be worse. So I think that's where you start. The other big thing is I think you look at the games with rest advantage. They're weighing the positive in that category. They come in with 15 games in the positive, only 10 stretches this year where they have to play back-to-back games. So I think that's huge too. I noticed everybody's a little bummed on Twitter about – uh, they feel a little robbed, right? The lack of national televised games compared to last year. I think it goes from 10 to 5 this year. But you know what? They stunk on primetime last year. So maybe switching it up isn't necessarily a bad thing. And frankly, too, when you're the 8 seed and get bounced in round 1, five primetime games is about what you deserve anyways, to be honest. So same thing with the tough start. Last year that had a, a, a quote-unquote, if you remember, easy schedule out the gate with a lot of home games. They didn't really do anything with it last year. This year they got 15 of their first 17 games versus teams that, at minimum, qualified for that playing game. So mm. uh, knowing this team, that might be a good thing because, again, they stunk it up last year versus, remember, those bottom-of-the-barrel teams too. And I think it's a great way to distinguish yourself amongst other top teams in the NBA as well. So big picture, tough start. Pretty nice, soft middle of the schedule, and then a tough stretch to close. All in all, when you got the 16th toughest schedule and end up weighing the positive when it comes to rest advantage, I think that's a win in my book. Yeah, so as the father of two toddlers who make messes every single day, when I see messes getting made intentionally in the schedule release video, full bottles of wine being broken on the stairs, it it triggers me a little bit. I had a hard time getting through all four and a half (laughs) minutes. I just had messes flashing before my eyes um i too am intrigued by this schedule but for a reason that no one else is i actually want to watch this mid-season tournament this made-up tournament that the the league has created we're always saying well basketball doesn't matter until christmas well now it does now we can actually find a way to get interested in basketball before the holidays They've got four good opponents in their pool. They've got the Kings, the Thunder, the Warriors, the Spurs with Wemby. Uh, I think that'll be a good slate. And if they can actually, I don't know if they're going to care about these games. They might, you know, rest guys, load management. I don't know if they're going to care or not. But if they can find a way to muster up some energy early in the season because of that tournament, that could actually be very meaningful for this team to kind of find something to play for early in the year. Because what happened last year? They sleepwalked. They sleepwalked through three quarters of the year. They just couldn't find any consistency. Maybe that'll light the fire in them in the month of November. Sam or Ron or any of you guys, is there any advantage at all to winning that tournament? Like, remember the MLB All-Star game? If you won, that conference gets home field advantage for the World Series. Any advantage at all? Or is it just kind of a made-up fun thing to get the fans more interested in the middle of the season? 
I've not seen anything about advantage. I've seen the trophy. Okay. And There's money. money. Trophy. The players get money. Like it's a big amount. I think it's a million dollars or something. Like it's a big amount of money. Okay. Uh, from sponsorship and TV. It's also in Vegas, uh, which the championship, the championship is the same weekend of the Vikings Raiders game. Mm. So if you want to get to Vegas early to watch a Saturday NBA, uh, what is it, NBA tournament championship game, mm -hmm. and then check out the Vikings on Sunday. I know I'm pushing for it. I'm trying to see if the Vikings can get the pregame show because literally Lieber and versus Raleigh be there. I'm pretty sure Rosie's going to try to go with the power trip. So I'm like, it just needs to get me down there now. So, you know, get me and Ahmad down there. I'm pretty sure Ahmad or Dawn might already be there. Let's just do, let's just do the uh, pregame show from a pool. Let's do it from somebody's yeah. pool. There you go. Like Vikings game day live from the pool, and then Ron, we just Ron over. The, let's go live to Ron in the jacuzzi over yeah, at MGM. It's, a, it's, a, it's an hour. <laughs> we have a between the pregame show and the actual game, we have an hour, so we might as well do the pregame show, and then we have that hour break to go get over to the game. Like, yeah, just do it, and then we could do the the fan line from Vegas, just sitting like Buffalo Wild Wings or something, because that's where the people love the, the the power trip guys. Anyway, we do a power trip fan line uh, from Buffalo. See. I'm about to I'm about to I'm about to send these texts out right now. <laughs> we got to make it happen. Um, but here's where I go with the schedule release. Sam, I totally agree. Having kids um, now they're older, 12 and eight. So I don't have messes like that anymore. Um, but just having kids, it's one of those things where I'm looking at this like oh, who's cleaning that up? Like I felt like a, a parent, like who's going to clean all this up? But I agree with Julia. Now, when you look at what it's supposed to be, the trend is it is supposed to be because I realized it like at two and a half minutes. I realized what they were doing. And then at that point, I figured I'm halfway. I might as well see this through. Um, and so I, you're right. Like the can of Progresso soup, didn't understand it. Why not just put the clam chowder inside of a glass jar? Like, or I think that's where they, else. yeah. Or they got lazy. Like, you know, so when you think about that or just put red socks, it, well, I guess they're not, they're Boston Celtics. So you can't put red socks in there, but yeah, it was just, it, to me, it was just very, very weird. Like, I know they were trying to get clam chowder in that. They tried to do the Lakers stars. So I get it star studded inside of a glass jar, but then they had uh suntan lotion or suntan spray for the suns. Why not put suntan lotion in a glass bottle and let that roll down and break and splat? Like, I feel like they got lazy. Like some of them, they didn't even roll. They just kicked. Like they just kicked it down and said, here, it's down the stairs. They had cars for the Indianapolis 500. Why not put the cars in a glass jar? Like, why are you so lazy? So that's the only thing that got me because I agree. And then the cheese. Like you put cheese spread down and then you roll the can down. Put the cheese inside the jar and then you roll the jar. Like That's how I you're feel supposed like to do it. Exactly. So I feel like they went TikTok and they just ticked. They didn't talk. Like they they were they were very lazy. If you're gonna go in, you might as well. Go, you're already there now. You might as well go all in. Um, but yeah, I I I I understood it after a while, and then I started looking at the comments. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Uh, some people wish they could get that four and a half minutes back of their life. Um, there were so many different things. But here's where I go with the schedule, real quick. I'm excited to see the Heat, the Nuggets. And the Jazz, the Heat and the Nuggets, because those were the two teams in the championship. So we want to see where the Timberwolves stack up against them. And then the Jazz, because of Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler gets to face Rudy Gobert. And if he dominates Rudy Gobert, I promise you for the rest of the season, I am done with Rudy Gobert in the Timberwolves. Like the fact that you could have had Walker Kessler for free without any of these draft pick stuff you gave up, five first round picks, and he goes, he's going to dominate Rudy Gobert. Walker Kessler, 
Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns could have been your big three. But no, you want to go get the French Tower. But that, that is what it is. But you know what, people? We got football coming Saturday. Vikings are playing the Tennessee Titans at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Vikings game day live will be at 6 p.m. 30 seconds, real quick before we get out of here. Really quick, get around the horn. Luke, what are you excited about to see on Saturday? I'm excited to see it. more of these young guys continue to just kind of step up into bigger roles that we haven't seen. And then also we brought it up earlier, but this wide receiver competition, uh, this thing's going to come down to the wire. Obviously, the first four guys are set in stone, but past Rager and Powell, you got guys like Thayer Thomas, Nikhil Harry, Tristan Jackson's back. Very interested and curious to see how these guys perform on Saturday and who's got the slight edge going into the roster cutdown day. Yeah, it looks like uh, Ty Chandler could really put the clamps on this RB2 deal on Saturday because Kene Wangwu is still out of practice. Uh, if we get another big Chandler performance, I think that he wins that job. And then I'm watching the safeties. I want to see what Lewis Seen can do in another game back. I want to see what Josh Metellus can do. I want to see what Theo Jackson can do. Theo Jackson's been a sneaky good uh, player in this camp. So that's one offense, one defense for you. I want to see Andrew Booth learn from his mistakes. Uh, yesterday, Flores said it himself. He, he's been up and down. I think that was his, his nice way of kind of commenting on how Andrew Booth's training camp has gone so far. But we saw him make, make mistakes, crucial mistakes, in this last preseason game. And, and I also was watching him on Wednesday and yesterday and saw the adjustments that he made. Does he get a little overzealous sometimes? For sure. But I'd be interested to see maybe some growth from him tomorrow. A little overzealous? He is past zealous. I don't know what's the next letter. We need a 27th letter to talk about what he is. He's super casual, fragilistic, expialidocious. Like, he goes way too far. But um, I do agree with Julio on that. I want to see Andrew Booth Jr. Uh, and does his emotions stay in check? Because this practice, it's tough to go to sleep after all these fights and then wake up Saturday and then go all day Saturday with your nerves and then get into that game. And the first time something happened, do these guys realize it's for real now? We're not in practice and we can't just fight and throw balls at each other? Or does it carry to the field? I want to see also, you got Jalen Naylor, who's not in. Who's going to really step up? Tristan Jackson has shown recently that he might be worth more than Jalen Rager. And Brandon Powell can actually help Tristan Jackson because if Brandon Powell wins the punt return job, you don't need Jalen Rager. So then who do you need? You need Tristan Jackson. So it could be Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne, Addison, Powell, and Jackson to start the year with Naylor on the pup list. And so that could be your six receivers going in because he is a gunner. We know Tristan Jackson is a gunner. So that is your special teams guy. Brandon Powell's your punt returner. That's your special teams guy. So those and they are Thomas on practice squad, Nikhil Harry, who knows what he might start on. Maybe he's on the unable to perform list just to save him or put him on that fake IR list just to save him and see what you get in these younger guys before you decide to do it with Nikhil Harry. Um, but I'm interested to see these receivers. That's what I want to see. I'm going to be watching them very closely, especially Tristan Jackson, because I agree with whoever said it. I think Luke or Sam, I thought the season was over. Like, we thought he was done the way he was screaming and holding his knee and got carted off mm -hmm. and was crying. And it's great yeah. to see him back. Detroit kid. So, you know, he's come up to me before. We had a conversation about being from Detroit, blah, blah. So I'm actually rooting for Tristan Jackson as well. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And I'm going to pump him up on the pregame. But also, also, I said I was going to do this. Special teams coach. He and I got a chance. Deron, Coach Deron, and I got a chance to talk. And uh, I'm going to pump him up as well because the special teams and what he's doing. Because his next role, he said, he wants to be a head coach eventually. 
So I'm going to make sure I pump up Duran as much as possible because special teams is the key to winning a lot of these games. But I'm Ron Johnson. There's Julia Daniels. There's Sam Ekstrom. There's Luke Inman. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. This is the Friday Roundtable. We want to thank you guys on YouTube, Amazon Fire, Roku, uh, Sirius XM, wherever you're getting this content, we appreciate you guys for continuing to download, watch, share, like, comment. Tell us what you think. Let us know how many times you saw Julia Daniels' cat go by. That's the topic of the day, too. How many times did you see the cat? That cat has been sleep the whole time, plotting on boy. what they're gonna, what he's gonna do to Julia if she ever falls asleep. Come on, cats man. are sneaky, very <laughs> sneaky people. Yeah. <laughs> but, but let us know what you guys are excited for to see on Saturday. Football is back in Minneapolis, and this is what we've been waiting for. But again, people, have a great weekend.